Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today it's my pleasure to welcome Chris Ray, one of my favorite professional skateboarding filmers. He's had an incredible career working for Transworld Skateboarding, DC Shoes, GoPro. He's going to take us through that incredible career journey, the experiences he's had all over the world, and his new company, Motion Clubhouse. Let's talk to Chris. Drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the DLC DLC Drop Drop Podcast. Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today is my pleasure to welcome someone who whose work I have watched probably more than any guest as I have watched skateboarding videos nearly my entire life. And many of those have been DC videos, GoPro videos. It is my pleasure to welcome Chris Ray to the DLC Drop Podcast. What's up? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. Super psyched to have you. This is Go Skateboarding Day, June yeah. 21st. So this this episode will come out in about a month, but it's pretty cool to be able to have you on this day. Uh, where are you going to be skating later today? You know what's funny is on Go Skateboarding Day, it's it's actually one of the days that I don't go skating. <laughs> I go skating like so much and I film skating. So I'm always like, oh, everybody else has, you know, the skaters usually have demos or things they have to do. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's my day to take off but my friend martin already hit me up this morning he's like hey i'm gonna skate today after work so do you want to go get it and i was like yeah we should probably go out so wherever wherever martin wants to roll i'll be out with him today yeah i think with my schedule it looks like thursday night is gonna work best for like a real session but i think just on the like you know i gotta roll out into the driveway do a couple kickflips at the very least totally totally so speaking of martin i believe this is your partner in your new venture motion clubhouse tell us all about that yeah so we i mean this is something that's kind of it's it's funny we just started it but everybody we've talked to has had the same response right where they're like that makes sense so it almost feels like this was something that was bound to happen it wasn't necessarily planned on happening especially soon as it did it's our new video production company and you know we were both with dc for i believe martin was there for eight years i was there for 11 years yeah and we just wanted to branch off and kind of do our own thing and work with multiple brands. We're still working with DC and handling all their video content. So we've had a great relationship. It's been a great transition. We've had nothing but support from the people at DC and everybody we work with. So it's just a new, a new chapter, you know, a new challenge and stuff. I think we were just there for so long that we were ready for, for that next stress. Yeah. And pretty nice to step out with your former employer being one of your first clients. Right. So it sounds like, taking that next step is is pretty natural in your journey yeah definitely i think that they they saw it coming because they were just like man these guys are are branching so much outside of skateboarding and they saw what we were doing outside of dc and and i think that they were just like you know what instead of just losing you to another company why don't we make this work for everybody where you know we still get you guys and you can still grow as a as people and a company so it's been awesome That's incredible. I'd love to take you through your career story. You've worked with DC for a very long time. You've worked with Transworld. You've worked with GoPro. I do have a little bit of a memory to share with you. I don't think you remember it, but I certainly do. So I went to Sacramento State for college. I got my marketing degree there. And so I used to show up to Matherfield Skate Park just watching the killers, watching a young Miles Silvis, you know, shorter than me, which is hard to do. And I remember he's 14, 15, and everybody just knew he was the chosen one, right? Before he grew a foot and 
developed the best style in skateboarding. Well, this was around the time that Hallelujah was about to come out, the Transworld video. And I remember rolling up to Matherfield and I was like, that's Chris Ray and that's Tori Pudwell and a few other skaters. Tell us about that time in your life and then let's take a step back to the very beginning. Yeah, so I mean, you know, working for Transworld was a dream come true. I grew up watching those videos as I'm sure you did also. Yeah. So to get that call of, of just like that I was going to film for him, it was one of those things where if you filmed for Transworld, you were kind of set in a way, right? It, mm. it was like, it was like if you become Transworld filmer, that means you're going to be in the industry for a long time. That means you're going to eventually get hired by a big brand company and be their main dude. And it was just, it was an absolute dream come true. Like absolute dream come true where it was, it was so much of a dream come true that it was actually really scary and frightening because mm. getting that opportunity to do that. I was like, this, this is almost too good to be true. Like most dreams aren't usually meant to be, to be made. You know what I mean? Where usually there's <laughs> no distance. And this was one for me where I was like, to film for Transworld would be a lifelong dream and it happened. So, you know, living up in Sacramento, seeing all those skaters up there, being surrounded by amazing skaters. I don't, there's something in Sacramento water where Dude, everything comes out of there is incredible. Killers. Yeah. The DLC Drop podcast is sponsored by Ice Shaker. I've been a huge fan of this brand for the past few years, ever since I met founder Chris Gronkowski. What I love about this product is the brand story, the functionality, and the customization. iShaker is a Shark Tank company invested in by Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez, owned by NFL players Rob Gronkowski and Chris Gronkowski. I love using my iShaker anytime I'm driving to the podcast studio, I'm going skateboarding, or I'm at the gym. No matter what I'm doing, it just does a great job of keeping my drinks hot or cold. The customization for iShaker is something that's super unique. You can get any name, just about any logo engraved onto your iShaker and delivered to you within just three to five business days. Get your own DLC Drop branded iShaker at iShaker.com forward slash DLC Drop. Save 20% on all iShaker products with the discount code DLC Drop. Yeah, so so getting into that opportunity, like usually when something's very highly desired by a large group of people, it's super difficult to get into it, right? And yeah. so either you get a lucky break, which is unlikely, or you know somebody. That's been my experience is every great job I've had, I knew somebody. What was your experience getting your foot into the industry that way? Well, it's, it's funny you say that also because... I often think about this and like, like I'm a big football fan and there's 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Right. Yeah. I don't even know if there's 32 filmers in skateboarding that make a good living off of it. Like I really good don't. Point. Mm -hmm. It's pretty crazy how many, how many people can survive off of filming skating. So I'm very fortunate to, to be where I'm at and, and the opportunities I've gotten, but I'm the kind of person that whenever I'm into something, I'm absolutely obsessed with it. And it's all I think about. It's all I want to do. And filming skateboarding was that, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I did everything I could. I watched videos. I, I studied everything. I dreamed of film, filming pros. Anything I did, even if it was outside of skateboarding, was based off of how can I get to where I want to be. And I still didn't even know it was possible. I didn't know you can make money. My, my thought was like, how can I just film a professional skater? So yeah. I think... 
I think the way I got there was that it was passion. You know, it wasn't, it was being surrounded by great people that, that saw my passion and, and gave me the opportunity, but I never chased it for money by any means. You know, like I'm, I'm fortunate for what I've gotten, mm-hmm. but, but that was the thing is like, I just, my goal is to film a pro skater. It was never, I'm going to film a pro skater and I'm going to make this much. I yeah. never thought. I have a question for you. So you grew up in Sacramento or, or in the region? So, so like where my skateboarding started, I was in Northern California in a town called Concord. Yeah. And then I went from Concord to Washington State up in Bremerton near Seattle. Yep. And then from there, I went to a little town, desert town called Mesquite, Nevada, where there's no skateboarding. Never heard of it. And yeah, it's, it has like two streetlights. Like yeah. it's, it's a small town. It's definitely not where you want to be if you're into skateboarding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went to Reno, then Sacramento, and now I'm in Orange County. Cool. Yeah, just to relate with you on that, the reason I ask is when I started skating at age 11, and I'm 39 now, and I grew up in Reedley, California, which is like 30 minutes outside of Fresno. I think it was 15,000 population when I was growing up there. And first of all, back then, being a pro or a sponsored skateboarder was not even a thought, right? It was it was not even a consideration. It's just like, I enjoy doing this thing, and I go out and do it. And then after I think two or three years, my brother was like, John's really good. We should start filming him. And, but we didn't know any pro skaters. Like it was rumored that the best guy in town got a free board one time, but there was no path to pro until I got a shop sponsor. And then Jesse Pius from Think Skateboards was also sponsored by the same shop. And I would do demos with Think and stuff like that. So that kind of started to emerge. But to go back to you, growing up in these small towns was there a pro available to film was there a best skater to film or was it just seemed completely impossible to achieve that dream it seemed impossible i mean back back then there was no social media demos would happen you know here and there i mean Mm -hmm. i got a big break when the chocolate team came to town with ty evans and i had i i basically like all these teams kept coming to town every summer right so they would come to town and i would go how can I get their attention? Like, how can I go out filming with them? So I went around and I, I shot photos of all the spots. I created a spot book on my laptop. And I I then went up to like, you know, the team. And I was just like, hey guys, I have all these spots. And they said the same thing. Everybody else says, oh, cool, awesome kid. Like, yeah, we'll link up later. And I said, well, <laughs> here's, my, here's my laptop, right? Here you go, here's all the spots. And they were like, whoa, you see that guy over there? It's Ty Evans, I go talk to Ty. Ty was just like, give me your number. And that, wow. that guy was actually the, Ty Evans is the first person to ever hire me in skateboarding and give me an opportunity and teach me how to film. And obviously is one of my biggest idols and one of the biggest filmmakers in skateboarding period. So to learn from him was incredible, but that spot book really helped me meet everybody where I started sending that book that on a disc, I sent a bunch of photos to every company. And wow. I was like, if you guys, if you guys come to Reno, I'll show you guys around. And dude, people would just show up. There's no social media, you know, like I really had a <laughs> yeah. cell phone at that point. So Andrew Reynolds would come to town and be like, Hey, we're in, we're in Reno. And I'm like, Whoa. Oh, okay. I'll leave my job right now and go meet up with you guys. But <laughs> there was no notice. It was just planting those seeds and making it happen. And, and then learning yeah. from the owners that came to town. So that's kind of how I got in. And, and that was my big break. And, and it, it, it worked out, you know? Yeah, that's super smart. I think something to take from that is you didn't just go to them with what you wanted. Like you could have gone to these skaters on chocolate skateboards and been like, hey, I want to film you. I want to film you. And they would have been like, get the heck out of here. Yeah. But 
skateboarding does not like if you're a filmmaker and you're just like okay i'm gonna film pro skaters and i'm gonna walk in like they don't they don't accept you like that it doesn't it doesn't work because they also don't want that footage especially back then showing up somewhere else like i my brother rolled up to hub a hideout one day and brian anderson was skating it by himself and he was like going hard like backsmith back when he like all all the tricks that you've seen in the videos he's doing that in a solo session and so i think my brother was probably like 17 and he was like yo can i film you and he was like well as long as it doesn't end up anywhere yes (laughs) and then i think he started trying some stuff where he's like don't film this but yeah that that's a great point and where i was going with that is simply rather than going to them and saying this is what i want you identified what was valuable to them and you provided that to them and that in turn provided value back to you. And I think that is such a great lesson in business and life in general. It was funny back, back in the day too, somebody pointed this out to me that, so I was, I'm there with the chocolate team and I'm actually, I'm at the demo and I'm showing them on my computer, but I actually handed the camera to my girlfriend who's, who's my wife now still. And I handed her my VX and I'm like, Hey, film this. Cause I'm going to be hanging out with these guys. And somebody was like, you know, you have like one of the most important moments in your career captured on video. Like not very, wow. I didn't even realize what I was sitting on. I was like, you're right. Like I, I have that moment that was my big break and like where it actually worked. So it's pretty cool that I was able to capture that and the fact that, that she filmed it. So it was pretty funny. That's incredible. Now, were you very outgoing? Were you the type of person that was just like, I'm going to go up and do this? Or was it just that your passion like overcame the intimidation and anxiety you may have felt? I was probably super annoying to all of them. I was overly (laughs) excited. I was invited myself. I was doing whatever I could to make it happen. I mean, I was starstruck. How old were you? You know, I was, this kind of all happened in 2002, 2003. So I was fresh out of high school, Same. but you know, yeah. I didn't, I didn't live in California at the time. Like this is, mm. I, I was from California, but to see a pro, to see Andrew Reynolds, to see, you know, all these guys, you know, in person was just, that was just mind blowing, you know, like, yeah, that's awesome. So and then what I love about the, the story with Ty that you mentioned is not only did he bring you and he's like, yeah, stand over there. And if you grab a clip, give it to me. It sounds like there was some real mentorship going on. Talk a little bit about what that experience was like. There was. So Ty would call me and, and he connect me with Brandon Beeble. I go out with him. Ty would be like, hey, can you film this guy? Can you film this guy? And he really helped make some connections for me. And then even when I would send him footage, he would say like, hey, man, like when you do this, you know, set this to your camera. And I had nobody around. Like I was the only, you know, kid in our group that had a VX1000 or, or a camera. So I had mm. nobody teach me so to get that feedback from him was incredible and i actually just did a, a job with him the other day with him and Nijah, and i had to tell him i was like hey man I, i'm so sorry for being like super annoying and hitting you up every day and, and just thank you so much for you know just believing in me and, and 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 trusting me and giving me an opportunity and he was like dude i'd rather have you be annoying than like some cocky kid so it was really cool to hear that from mm. him and we had never really had the discussion and I've never really had a chance. I always said thank you, but I've never really had a chance to like have a deeper conversation with him about it. Yeah, that's cool. I think approaching people with humility and I'm here to learn. I'm here to volunteer, to soak it up. It goes a long way. What was one lesson? I'm curious if you remember, and I'm guessing you probably do <laughs> just based on how you're talking here, but 
how you thought filming should be before you met Ty Evans. And then one or two big things you learned that was like, whoa, never would have guessed this changed my world. I mean, like like negative things that happen or just like a po- something that you learned that improved your filming. <clears throat> I would say. Man, it's so hard because it all it all just kind of happened. Like, I mean, I definitely I can think of something negative that, okay. that like, happened, for instance, like I think it was, you know, you you idolize certain people and you mm. forget that they're they're just people also right sure so you might meet somebody and they're not super cool um that was a big awakening for me where i was just like whoa like this guy or these people aren't cool do i want to do this should i just film my friends like i always have and make my own videos so mm. there's definitely a few moments where i was like meeting people where i'm like oh this guy is not cool he just needs me to film his trick and we're actually not friends um that was that was was like a a big thing where i was like i thought everybody in skateboarding was friends i thought everybody was super cool and i'm gonna filmer and we're gonna be best buds it wasn't like that sometimes you're Mm. just a filmer you're just the guy that they're hanging out with because you have a camera wow so that was like that was definitely a learning process but i think that 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 happens in any workplace you Mm. know what i mean I, i don't think like you're going to be friends with everybody you work with. And I thought because it was skateboarding, you would, but on, on a positive side, I mean, I think it was just the opportunity. You know what I mean? Like I, I look back at, at that age of when I started and I, there's so much I didn't know. And it was, it wasn't even, it wasn't even in filming also. It was like just going out to places and like ordering food and traveling with my friends and like understanding life, you know, as becoming an adult. I think that that's, skateboarding like and filming taught me how to do all that and traveling the world obviously wow. taught me to do all that one question i have for you that i think a lot of people don't have the answer or the experience of is what is the what's the day in the life of a pro skateboarding filmer like like what we see the end result right we're, we're seeing Nigel go down all these handrails we're seeing chris cole do nbds all these things but that's just the final product way more goes in so so take me through like you're waking up in the morning to what would a a day of filming look like and i know it varies it completely has changed over the last 10 years obviously with with not only you know my responsibilities but skateboarding in general and filming skateboarding has completely changed but during the trans world days it was literally wake up just go out early link up with skaters call skaters make plans the day before and just film tricks, you know? And I look back and I think to myself like, man, I had so much free time, you know? Like you you think you're busy, but I had so much free time and I will just, you know, you go to spots. And my whole thing with being a filmer was always being two steps ahead of the skater. So when we'd go to spot A, I would go, okay, if this doesn't work out, he's over it or we get kicked out, what's spot B and spot C? What are the options? Because the second somebody in your crew is kind of like, well, where should we go? And then like, they start to question it and then they're like, ah, I'm over it for the day. So I would always try to be like, Oh, we're going here. We're going here. We're going here. So I would try to lead these guys hmm. without that given time to think. And that was one thing of just like trying to be productive and stay productive. Eventually like, you know, filming less and my role at DC being involved with more with marketing and, the, and a, a films director and, and being responsible for that stuff. It was, you know, having certain days where I have calls, certain days where I go filming certain days that I have other shoots outside of skating. So, 
so it just completely changes but now i feel like when i'm filming skating it's almost like oh i'm i'm done with my my work and my tasks i'm gonna go out and get some tricks now yeah i think it's interesting to i mean you know different areas of the country or the world there's different norms as to how the the filmer interacts with the skaters a guy who was a really good friend of mine was kurt hayashi who Mm -hmm. passed away a couple of years ago sadly but kurt filmed for the firm he film for Nike. He let me into that Nike private skate park a few times, which is incredible. And I remember he told me when he moved from Portland down to LA to film for Lance Mountain's team, the firm in Portland, the the skaters called you called the filmer. And then, (laughs) so he's in LA for like a week and Lance hits him up. He's like, why are you not doing your job? Like, and he's like, dude, no skaters have called me. He's like, no, you call the skaters. Uh, did you experience any differences like that from Reno, Sac, LA? You know what? From uh, First of all, Kurt was an amazing dude. He was one guy that whenever I went to Portland on family vacations, he was one guy I would definitely hit up and, and have coffee with. So yeah. such a good guy. I miss him so much. But I, the problem I had is that every single weekend, I would have 15 skaters calling me. And my problem is that I don't like saying no. So I would sit there and stress out and go, how do I film you know, this guy, this guy, this guy, I've got Mikey Taylor calling me, Chris Cole calling me, like all these other skaters calling me, right? And how do I film all of them, but they all want to go to different spots and I'm only one person. Mm-hmm. So that was very difficult for me for a long time of just not saying no, putting filming and, and my job, you know, before my family too. Like I've been, I've been absolutely guilty of that for sure. And luckily my family has been totally understanding and, and I've gotten a lot better at it. And then, and then also it's gotten to the point to where now it's like skaters aren't calling me every weekend because skateboarding has changed. People are filming on their phones, you know, they're filming a yeah. skate park, their friends are filming them. So it's different. So now I'm back in the situation where I'm going, like I'm calling people now and I'm like, Hey, do you guys want to go skate today? Do you want to go get a clip? Like, do you want to, you want to film for this? Things like that. So it's kind of flipped now to where I'm, I'm having to call everybody. Well, what's such a trip too with the, the power of our phones, the technology, I rem- you know, that, especially cinematic mode, dude, I've filmed a couple of clips in cinematic mode. I'm so hyped on and it's yeah. right there on my phone. I think Ty filmed an entire video or a part with iPhone, right? Like sponsored by yeah. iPhone. Yeah, How- he did. He did a thing with Malto on his, I think his injury and stuff. And it was all iPhone, which is crazy. Yeah. So how has like that technology, like now you've got this in the palm of your hand versus like, I don't have a VX. I need to find someone with one. And then Instagram, like instantly stuff's going out or people are putting so much content out there. How has that changed the role of a professional filmer's career? It's definitely changed the role, but I think that that, that's where it goes to how can you separate yourself from the skater's friend that's just randomly filming? And that's where, Mm. you know, I've, I've looked at the GoPro and I'm like, okay, what can I do with this to get a creative shot where I look at that camera and I'm like, this is meant to film a social media clip. They're so good. Yeah. yeah, They're so (laughs) good. And I'm just like, I can get a creative shot. The camera can get hit. It doesn't break, you know, and I've gotten some unique shots using that camera that has stood out on social media because it's just different, you know, definitely things that you can't film with another camera or even a red camera. So for me, it's just 
trying to get creative and I'm a big fan of the social media thing. I think that it's awesome that we can create our own content and share it with the world and get a ton of views and not have to rely on a, on a company. Yeah. I think too, I mean, I enjoy it just as a consumer, like pulling up clips and seeing what's going on in Copenhagen pro this last week, for example, seeing all these like crazy, crazy tricks go down in the contest or like, Felipe Gustavo skating his box in his driveway blowing mines but then it's like you still have to have your like for the video right you're filming for your part and stuff I know that you have really focused on taking a different approach to filming you've done a lot of work with red cameras which seems both painful and inconvenient and expensive but talk a little bit about how you focus on that and how that's taken you and differentiated you from other filmers or social media yeah i mean you know obviously like the vx1000 was the the camera that everybody wants to use and it's probably one of the easiest cameras to use because the fisheye is so wide and i remember there was a talk about like skateboarding switching over to hd and companies going hd and i was trying to use the camera and i remember being super frustrated like right the fisheye wasn't as good i was cutting heads off and Mm. i i i couldn't get it right away and i remember I keep both of the cameras in my bag. So sometimes I would film VX standard def, sometimes I would film HD. And there was a big push against HD too, by the way, right? And people still do VX, but when HD started to come out, it Mm -hmm. to me, I I remember Jamie Thomas was like a big adopter of HD, but to me, it looked weird. I was like, I don't want it to look this real yeah. skateboarding isn't really a fan of change which is kind of <laughs> crazy because we're we're the leaders in so much stuff yeah and and we decide what's cool and definitely there was a big pushback i mean some skaters were like absolutely not cool with this but i was at a spot one day and i was filming a trick and i remember i took out the hd camera tried to film it got super frustrated looked over at one of my friends and i was just like man I just, I'm not filming this HD camera. Like I just, I can't get good at it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, because you keep putting it back in your bag and you keep switching back. Like you're not staying with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And one thing I'll never forget, he said this to me, he goes, is that the camera that everyone's going to be using in five years? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And he goes, then why don't you just get really good at it? And I I took that HD camera back out and I was like, you know what? I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to get good at it. And I'm going to make myself be in more demand and have more experience in it. So down the road, when everybody goes HD, I already have a, a step ahead of everybody and I know how to use it and I can get good at it. And I think it was like pretty much from that day on, I just, I stuck with it. And I've always been a fan of, you know, higher quality cameras i believe that what we're capturing is so important and so valuable Mm -hmm. to where i understand that like the the rawness is is important in skateboarding right like that's super important but i can film a clip in 8k on the red camera or 5k on the gopro but i and i can make it look as bad as you want right i can 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 always decrease the quality you can't always increase the quality from the source yeah exactly but in five years ten years when you hit me up and that clip that i filmed you know of danny way or chris cole or sean malto when you want to see it in five years and you want that that good quality i still got it you know what i mean and that's kind of what i always told myself is like i this stuff's going to be valuable to me i want to be able to watch it again in five ten years that's a good point i had a friend a long time ago say do you think michael jordan is ever bummed that all his highlights are in like this lower quality video and i was like huh never thought about that before 
I don't think Michael Jordan's boned about anything. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I think yeah. he's doing all right. So people who are not skateboarders who are listening to this podcast may be very surprised how scrappy skateboarding is, specifically skateboarding filming. Like when I worked with video productions companies in the past and I've shared like, like a lot of people ask me when they see my videos, dude, how are you filming that? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, the filmer is just riding a skateboard behind me like wait but you went downstairs and it's like yeah he also went down the stairs if they're small you know but that is such a you i I don't know i what what i'm getting at is that mindset of like you just do it to do it you figure it out has really aided me in other aspects of my life share a little bit about how for you like you're for us skaters it's just so natural right to be like yeah i'm grabbing my camera and hopping on my board and following my friend to somebody else it's like how would you ever get a clean shot and then with that mindset it's like yeah you just you figure it out it doesn't have to be the most complex expensive high budget production to get something great yeah. So, I mean, I always tell people, I'm like, if you can work in skateboarding or film skateboarding or be a skateboarder, you can do anything. Yeah. When it comes to, to filming skateboarding, it's, it's a one man band. Like I'm usually the only filmer I'm, you know, directing the crew I'm producing in, I'm doing everything. I'm editing, doing, doing everything, logging my own footage, all that stuff. So when I do stuff outside of skateboarding and they're like, Oh, there's a specific person for each job. <laughs> that, blew, that blew my mind when I first got in. And I was like, wait, there's literally a guy that's putting my camera together and then handing it over to me or even hitting record while I just set up the frame. Like that's what is this paradise crazy. you speak of? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that, that was a, that was a hard transition for me where the, I remember the first like Hollywood job I did, I had like four people surrounding me and I was just doing everything. And they were looking at me going, you, you gotta let us like do this. You know what I mean? Like that's what we're here for. And I'm like, we're oh, union. I'm- You're actually not allowed to legally <laughs> yeah. lift that yeah. camera and move it. <laughs> yeah. So it was that was a tough transition where I'm like, hey, I'm just used to doing everything myself. So I guess stop me if I'm doing too much, you know, type thing. But it definitely trained me to like get experience with everything because, like I said, like if you, you know, I was involved with editing, and if you if you're good at editing, it makes you a better filmer, right? You know the exactly. shots. Exactly. Stuff you need to get. I, I learned how to talk with talent. I learned, you know, whether I realized it or not, I was dealing with budgets, right? I would have to book flights for skaters. I would book trips. I would then look at how much stuff costs, and then I would sit there and go, okay, was this was this worth the project, and so on. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm spending somebody else's money, things like that. So I learned a lot from it by just being in skateboarding, and that's just the way it is, and it is still that way to this day. Yeah. Well, I want to take another step here into your career with DC Shoes. Obviously, you've been there for 11 years. It's been incredibly impactful in your life. It's a a brand that everybody knows inside and outside of skateboarding. So you told us a little bit about how you got your step into the industry with Ty, with Transworld. How did that then get you into DC? So with DC, I was obviously obviously at Transworld and I was working with, uh, it was a magazine, right? And we were doing videos and I was working with every brand in the industry. So I got to really work with like all the team managers, the brand managers, all the skaters. And DC was a brand that I worked with a ton, you know? And, and I remember when I decided I was going to leave Transworld, the word kind of had gotten out and I had like five different companies reach out to me. And I grew up a huge DC fan, right? Like I was the first kid in my school to have DCs. I think, I actually think, think that what a lot of people don't know this is that 
back in the day when you were a skater at school, you mm-hmm. often got made fun of, you got beat up. Yeah. Girls didn't go out with you. Like it was, it was actually not a cool thing at all. Right. And I think right. the thing that turned that whole thing around was the shoes was because people started wearing DCs. And I think DC right. was very, very responsible for that. Where I remember going in, in high school, my freshman year and being like, Oh, you were in skater shoes. That's just what we called them. We were all like, those are skater shoes. Those DCs yeah. are skater shoes. And every kid and every every guy and girl was wearing them. And that made skating cool all of a sudden. It made it acceptable. So I think that that was like a huge, huge turnaround point like for, for skateboarding in general. And DC was a huge part of that. So when I got the opportunity Quick to question work- for you. Do you have a favorite DC shoe? Because I have one. <sighs> So there's a new one coming out that I'm really excited about. Okay. I haven't been excited about a shoe. I'm not like a shoe nerd by any means. Yeah. But there's a shoe called the Metric, and it's definitely one that I saw and held and got a pair of, and I was like, all right, this is this is the shoe I'm hyped on. So is it a team shoe or is it a signature shoe? Team shoe. It's a team shoe, and that's cool. probably the one that I'm like, ooh, it looks good in every color. It's it's a cup sole, which I'm a big cup sole fan. Yeah. It's got like technology, but it's not overly tech and like big. So it's one I'm definitely very very excited about. Should be out. I bet you. I bet you the shoe's available by the time this drops. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. For me, it would be the Kalis One. Ooh. Yeah. I remember a friend of mine let me borrow a pair and he never what's, got a size for you. I might have an extra pair of Kalis Ones. I'm a size 10. Ooh. I might have 11s for you. We'll talk I can after squeeze and do an 11 if you need. We'll talk to. after the show. Wonderful. This, <laughs> my day just got better. But yeah, so, so, you're, so you're at DC. Sorry to interrupt. One, one thing that I think is so impactful in business regardless of industry is building great teams and so obviously you had a great experience at dc because you were there so long can you talk a little bit about the the companies you've been part of and how you've seen that great teams can be built yeah absolutely when i when i did the transition to dc from transworld i remember i walked into this meeting room my first day and there was like 20 people right and i wasn't the only filmer there there's a whole films team i was just coming in to to run the skate films and I met all these other filmmakers outside of skating that, that did rad content, had amazing ideas that were great filmmakers. And I ended up eventually taking the the role as the film's director and overseeing that whole department and being able to kind of to build a team. And really, that was a whole new experience for me, right, where I had to be kind of more concerned about what people were doing, what projects were getting done. But I was very, very fortunate to just easily fall into to great filmmakers that they were able to come in and help out so that was just a, a whole new learning experience you know and it's been it's been great to to get that challenge and stuff and dc also for for me for my career what they did for me was they took me from where i was just a skate filmer and they were like hey we're going to turn you into a filmmaker and oh. you're going to do you're going to do product videos you're going to do lifestyle shoots you're going to do documentaries you're going to do commercials that really like took me to the next to the next step were you excited about that or were, or were you like no i'm a i'm a skateboarding filmer Dude, at first i was very very bummed right like i had <laughs> i was filming skateboarding every day and I had that, I still had that same problem where 15 guys were calling me every single weekend, but then DC is looking at me and they're going like, Hey, we have this big shoot commercial. We want you to shoot. Like mm. they're giving the opportunity and they're looking at it as like a, as a positive. They're saying like, this is great. For you, right. They're saying, this is, this is going to be great for your career. Like you should be excited. And I'm like, yeah, but I've got, 
I've got 15 guys that are bumming me right now because I'm not available to go to the schoolyard and, and film them. Yeah. So it was it was hard and it took a little bit. It was it was probably seeing how excited the other filmmakers in our department were and the opportunity and seeing how they just grabbed it and they're like, let's make this thing awesome. And and I basically was like, okay, we we can do this and I'm gonna be a part of this. So it was it was definitely a challenge. The transition came. I don't want to say I wasn't ready for the transition, but it came earlier than I expected and the opportunities came quicker than I expected. Yeah, that's really interesting. We, we talked previously about changing or evolving as a person, right? And so I remember I've talked to some other filmers and they're like, man, when I post a music video on my social media, I lose followers. Like skaters just want skateboarding and if you do anything else, you know, I think Kevin, Kevin Romar's gotten really into DJing and that's yeah. amazing. Chad Muska obviously has gone on to do a lot of creative different things. I remember when he first started getting into DJing and, you know, a lot of the skate community was like, the heck are you doing? Skate, you know? And more recently, Paul Rodriguez, amazing business and businessman. Now he's getting into acting for mm-hmm. me personally. I just recently, as I'm getting older, finally evolving, <laughs> I've had some different interests, you know, and it, I had this moment of self-awareness or self-reflection the other day where I was like, I've been so critical of these other people because they're not doing what I want to do, but now I finally get it. I'm getting older. I'm changing as a person. I wanted, I've done that. Like you want me to do that because that's all you know that I've done, but I have done that and now I want to grow and move on. And it sounds like this experience at DC was one of those that kind of forced you into evolving and growing in that way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Cause we're, we're about the same age, right. And we've been skating for more than half our lives. I'm guessing same yep. with you. And, you know, even when I was doing this transition and I started filming other stuff and posting other stuff, you know, I even had one skater to me say like who I had worked with for 10 years say like, man, you've changed. And I'm like, good. I hope I have, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I yeah. hope I have. I'm not, I'm not, you know, you knowing me since I was 18, that's not, I'm not the same person. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I hope I've evolved, I've changed. And, and I think with, with social media, we're exposed to a lot more things out there that are awesome. Right. Like, yeah. And in skateboarding used to be only thing you could do. It was very tunnel vision. We didn't think about anything else. And maybe it was just the, the point where we were in our lives. But I think now that, you know, I can scroll through my phone and I can see somebody like riding a mountain bike or, you know, doing a sport or just doing something else. But I'm like, man, that looks fun. I want to try that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's much more accepted now where before it, it definitely wasn't. So it's pretty cool to see that. I get so hyped when I see people doing stuff outside of skating because, you know, they, yeah. as they should well one i think one well us as skateboarders if you're actually riding the board for a living you better evolve at some point probably earlier than than later when you have a career like you could be a skateboard filmer for a very long time right like i mean maybe you don't want to be holding that red camera but you could be making films and stuff till the end of your life and keep doing that i remember who was it salman aga when he opened pizza nista which amazing pizza in LA. If you're ever there, definitely hit him up. But I was like, what the heck? Homeboy went from skating switch to flipping pies. And a good friend of mine who I've known since I was 15 years old is Dave Meddy. And mm-hmm. so do you know Dave? Yeah. 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 So Meddy is super close to Solomon. And one thing he shared with me one day, he said, Solomon's father was a baker. He owned a bakery. Oh, wow. And I was like, 
oh, now it makes sense. I had this one-dimensional view of this three-dimensional person, and all I knew was he would ollie picnic table switch dance, which was amazing. But it's like pizza, and it's like, oh, like there's deeper, more complex other facets to you that now I know your dad was a baker. Now I'm hyped. Now I want to go eat pizza. You know, it sounds like you've had some similar experiences in your life as well. Totally, totally. It's been, I mean, you know, just to get the opportunity to even film stuff outside of skateboarding and to get exposure to that. I mean, that's been incredible, you know, and I, I came working from like normal jobs, like construction, you know, warehouse jobs, UPS, things like that. So I know what it was like to do all that, the normal job stuff. And now it doesn't feel like I have a job. So I'm very lucky. That's awesome. Well, speaking of that, one of the things I'm very passionate about and I love to share with people is, you know, I had limited success as a skateboarder. I was an am for a company no one's ever heard of. (laughs) I got a bunch of globe shoes for many, many years on flow. And I traveled the country a little bit, did a bunch of demos. I did actually skate the very first damn am contest ever, which was terrifying. (laughs) like i roll up from ridley california to the volcom warehouse in costa mesa and ryan sheckler is there billy marks won it like you're seeing all the dudes in the mag it was that's a whole nother topic but my point is i have been able to do so many things in skateboarding because of my business Mm -hmm. career and you know i've been able to skate street league skate courses i've been able to be featured on the barracks i've been able to skate a bunch of these like private parks and and travel around the country not because of my talent on the board but because of this thing that supports the passion that i have i'm sure you you've traveled all over the world with your friends filming i'm sure at some point when you were a little kid you're thinking whoa if i could skate all around the world that would be incredible Talk a little bit about how this supporting expertise you've developed has enabled you to do more in skateboarding than you would have without it. Yeah, I mean, the the travel part of it has been huge. I mean, I've been all over the world multiple times. And, you know, I think that you tell people that, but I don't think they fully understand what you mean by it. Because when you think travel the world, you're thinking like vacation resorts, you're thinking cool we're staying at the hard rock cafe and we're eating normal food but with skateboarding like we were actually in the culture right we're Mm. traveling and we're 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 in the streets right we're looking for street spots literally in the streets yeah the streets we're not traveling the world to skate a skate park right like there's there's amazing skate parks in california we don't need to do that we're traveling all the way to shenzhen we're going all over china japan all over australia all over europe right and we're skating just normal businesses or plazas and things like that. And we're eating right there where everybody else eats, you know, right. sometimes, sometimes in people's houses, cause that's what the restaurant is in that country. And I look back and I think to myself, like, I don't know what other job can offer that experience, you know? And, and even if I traveled the world with my family, it will never, ever, ever be like that. There's just no way. You don't There's want to no take your little kids to these spots. <laughs> Well, there's just no way that they would experience that. Like sometimes we're sitting out in Plaza for 10 hours straight, you know, and we're just sitting there and eating whatever food is on the the food cart walking by or the restaurant that's right there in front of us. Mm -hmm. Um, We based our lives and our travel off of skate spots, off of handrails, off of stairs, off of manual pads, which Mm -hmm. is crazy. And that dictated where we were eating or who we were hanging out with or who we met, you know? And that's just, that's something that I'll never, ever get to experience that in any other way. 
What is the weirdest thing you've eaten on a skate trip? You know what? I'm pretty I'm pretty safe on trips when it comes to food. Um, Shenzhen was definitely when we first started going to Shenzhen, it was before it was. I mean, it's a lot different now where if you went when we first started going there, if you were skateboarding a spot, people that were walking by stopped and watched for 10 hours straight. It didn't matter. I was like, where are these, where are these people on their way to, to somewhere? And they <laughs> stopped. I mean, a lot of them had never seen a white person before. Yeah. Definitely, they didn't had no idea what a skateboard or was. Or a skateboard. So, right. Yeah. They were so confused. So they would come up to the skateboard. And I remember like touching the wheel or just looking at it up close and being like, like what? Trying to figure out what is this thing? You know? Like I but, have family members who wonder how the board sticks to my feet. <laughs> Every, and they've true. seen that's white true. people and they've seen me ride a skateboard mm-hmm. their entire my entire life so for somebody to for the first time see somebody who looks way different yeah. and what is this thing and the way that you guys can flip it around that's yeah. got to be a no, mind sure. but Shenzhen was like because of that situation and, and because of like how un-Americanized it was the food was definitely like confusing where it was really hard to order food. We had to bring laser pointers to like point it, you know, if we found a McDonald's, we would point it, whatever we're trying to order, things like that. But uh, where you is know, you, it like country? Like uh, what close, area? Close, close to Hong Kong. I think it's about okay. like, it was back then it was a 30 minute drive. You know, I t- talked to somebody the other day and they were like, dude, it's grown so much. It takes like two hours, I think now to get there. So wow. yeah, it's crazy. And then, so my next question is from a, a skate spot or a country standpoint like take this question wherever you want but what has been the most memorable place that you've gone around the world well the gopro trips are crazy there's okay. so much yeah there's so much fun just because like we did a new zealand camping trip that was incredible and for me it was like usually you're skating 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 right and it's all about just getting tricks the whole time <laughs> right and then with gopro they're like, hey, cool. They want you some visuals, of- right? Yeah, like- they, they got, they got. Some, you guys got some great skate shots. Can you, you guys want to go cliff jumping? You want to go bungee jumping? You want to go do like, on a, scuba diving? We went on a helicopter ride one day. We skated a park. We went on a helicopter ride to an ice glacier, and then I think the same day, we might have went to like bungee jumping. And then we hit a street spot. So it was just like Whoa. the craziest trips. And they're they're just so fun. And of course, you're traveling with like the tiniest camera in your backpack. And we're getting cool shots. And it's just, you're, you're homies. So it was good. I'm trying to roll up on a GoPro trip. Everybody is. That was that. I've been, I've been on trips, I mean, dude, all the time. And when I'm on those trips, I get all the DMs from like huge pros being like, how do I get on a GoPro trip? That's never happened on another skate trip. It's wow. only on GoPro trips. So it's pretty insane. I heard a story about GoPro and I hope it's true. Maybe you can confirm. But I mean, GoPro is an interesting product that it's like, okay, you're competing against iPhones. You're competing against, it's like this kind of weird in-between type of a product. <laughs> and I'm a big fan of GoPro. I love them. But what I heard was, they were kind of floundering a little bit as a business and they're like, where should we put our attention? And then somebody in marketing, I guess, was looking up the GoPro hashtag on Instagram and saw that like the vast majority of GoPro shots were underwater, like scuba diving shots. And it was Mm -hmm. not a focus until that time. And they were like, Oh, let's like super dive into, forgive the pun, you know, where people 
are actually using these things and it really actually benefited the business focusing more on these incredible visuals that you could get nowhere else with no other camera so i'm going to say that's probably false just because <laughs> just because it's a great uh, story though Yes, the, the it makes sense. I think that maybe yeah. they might have shifted more towards underwater stuff when they saw the hashtags. I can believe part of that story. Yeah. But the very first GoPro, I mean, it was created by a surfer. You know, the guy that owns GoPro, Nick, he is mm. a, he's a surfer. That's that's why he started it. He wanted to be able to capture him and his friends surfing, and they needed a waterproof camera. So I think from the get-go, it was probably only thought about as being a water camera only, and that's yeah. it. And then it expanded. Well, like every legend, they grow over time and they expand. So that's that's where the legend has grown, in my mind, at least. Yes. One th- last thing I want to get your thoughts on as we're rounding out this episode is we've talked about how, you know, a network of skaters, you know, like one thing that's so cool is when you meet someone and you find out they're a skater. Like this morning, I was looking through my LinkedIn as I was tagging some people in a post I did for Go Skateboarding Day. And I was like, oh, this person works at like Logitech, like a headphone gaming company. This person's, you know, running Tampa Pro. This person's, which is very direct in skateboarding, but this person works for an apparel company that has nothing to do with skateboarding. This person does marketing. I was on the phone one time with a friend of mine, Greg Witt, who does like youth marketing. And we didn't know each other. I was at GameStop and he was trying to get us as a client. And like 10 minutes into the conversation, it just clicked. I think I was looking up his LinkedIn or his Instagram or something. I was like, bro, we both skate. <laughs> and like from, and I've been friends with this dude for like five, six years now. And it's like from that moment, like nothing more had to be said. There's just a common understanding. Talk a little bit about how like the power of the network of skateboarders around the world. Well, I'm see, I'm seeing it like crazy, like that same situation, right? And on even on film sets. So, <clears throat> I think with the generation that we have right now and at our age, like everybody comes from skateboarding at at some point, right? So whether they got into it a little bit, or they just followed it, or they were inspired by it, or they were sponsored at one point, or wanted to be pro, or wanted to be a skate filmer. I mean, I think like at every agency, I'm seeing it. I think in every film set, I'm seeing it. The majority of the companies out there, they have a skateboarder at some yeah. capacity. You know what I mean? And, and it's one of those things, like we always say, like once you're a skateboarder, you're always a skateboarder, you know? And it's it's skateboarders think different. They look at the world different. Mm-hmm. They, they just take a different approach. And that's why, that's why they're so successful, you know? And I think it goes back to we can try something so many times and fail, 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 and then yeah. achieve the goal and make the trick you know, or even get the shot. Right. And I, I don't like what else trains you for that. You know what I mean? Like, especially as just an individual, like you can go and do that over and over and over without anybody else or your friends. Yeah. It's so crazy when I think about it to us, it comes natural because it's our lives, but like, I don't like doing stuff I'm not good at. And (laughs) if you go to your average skate park and just sit there for 30 minutes, the vast majority of what you will watch is people not landing tricks. Mm-hmm. But for skateboarders, that's just a natural thing of like, like I remember my mom has said it multiple times to me, she's like, John, I remember you coming home and said, mom, I landed a new trick today. It took me 40 tries. Yeah. And it was down a nine stair. So just like, boom, boom. But that thing within you, 
that makes it, I, I told somebody one day it was like john how long are you going to stay how long are you going to skate and i said you know what i'm sure at some point the pain of falling on concrete will overrule the feeling i have of rolling away on my board but now it does not you know yeah. like i mean at my age 39 i'm not trying to fall but i'll i'll take a slam if i if i'm hyped you know and there's just most people avoid pain most people avoid failure and just the act of skateboarding to do it in any way you have to go in head first yeah because it's worth it for sure yeah it's crazy i want to get as many people plugged in and aware of motion clubhouse as possible share a little bit as we run this episode out about like who is your target market like who is the type of person you want to reach out to and how can you help them so it's funny because right now motion clubhouse is kind of just like a uh kind of good and ready for for everything right with the experience that martin and i have with with filming and, and directing and editing and everything i mean there's there's so many things that we can do right so we're not just skateboard filmers i mean we filmed the motorcycle on the wave we have filmed car commercials music videos product commercials documentaries so really it's just what companies or people out there want to make cool content content that we're passionate about content that we stand behind it can be any subject it could be anything you know we're definitely not catering into just one category and i think that that's what's that's probably the most exciting thing about motion clubhouse for us is that it's every day is a new opportunity every day is is just something different and that's what we're excited about that's what that's why we did this you know it's because we didn't yeah. want this thing every single day we wanted new challenges and we wanted to figure things out and we're just we're ready for it so yeah so what i'm hearing from you is regardless of the project you guys have this experience you have the ability to create amazing content and i'm guessing that the type of people it could either be people at a brand who are looking for a video production company it could, you know you and i talked a lot when i was at an agency as a producer and so if you don't have that content studio in-house or you want to expand those are the type of people who can reach out and contract your services absolutely Perfect. So to let you go here, what are the ways that people can find you, can find Motion Clubhouse in the ways that you want them to? So my social media is at Chris Ray Films, if you guys want to check that out. And then Motion Clubhouse is at Motion Clubhouse. And we also have a website, motionclubhouse.com. You can go on there and check out our reel. It's also on YouTube, YouTube backslash Motion Clubhouse. And that's pretty much it. Hit us up anytime. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Chris. I've, I've enjoyed watching your work for so long. It's been awesome hanging out a few times. And every time we talk, I really enjoy it. Thank you so much for joining me today on the DLC Drop Podcast. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the DLC Drop Podcast. This podcast is part of the Esports Futuri Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review. 